At the risk of committing overkill, I know that the topic of uh, death and misery has been much spoken about, spoken about and experienced in the last two weeks uh, with the passing of Ibdoy Schwarzman and Ibnassen Svi Finkel and therefore it's a bit perhaps unfair of me to subject a poor group of people that when they bought into Frumkite it all was about challenge and pretty girls and now they spent the last two weeks warning we never bargained for this first of all the food went away then the girls went away then they put in the difficult Aramaic texts and now we talk about is mourning and death Shkrech. what a way to live my life so I agree I don't want you overheavify. <coughs> overheavify is a use the word that was invented to descri- describe the syndrome of too much frumkite in too small a capacity to contain it by Shiva's nefesh. Overheavify. And when things are overheavified, <laughs> so then the whole of Yiddishkeit kind of turns somewhat sour. So it's a risky endeavor to belabor this point but I would like to take this point of of essentially two deeply deeply tragic events in a cosmic scale and dwell on their relevance for us as Baalei Tshuva seeking to move forward in our Torah and not to focus on the morbidity of it all but actually to focus on the 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 bright side of death (laughs) strange that may sound now of course it's, it's almost ironic and uh, you can see how the Darshanim will go to town on this, the Darsh, the Darshanim, that this week's Pasha is Chayasara. What better Pasha could you have to speak about death than the Pasha which focuses on death? Um, which is interesting. It is interesting. It's significant. And let's try to figure out what's going on over here in terms of the world is a changed place this week than it was at the beginning of last week. There's no question about it. And even though it could be that many, maybe the majority of the inhabitants of the world have no cognizance of that, but that doesn't mean anything. Avram Avinu was called Avraham Ha'ivri because he was on one side and the entirety of the world was on the other. So having a unique minority perspective of what is going on in the world doesn't deflate the importance of the perspective. It could be that only a few people are privy to the essence of what's going on in the world. And I feel that that if we invest ourselves in understanding what occurred, so a tragedy, it's hard to describe it in terms of, it's hard to quantify it, but a a deep tragedy has, has occurred and therefore the tragedy has two sides to it. This one side is the sense of loss and the second side is the sense of reaction and reciprocation to the event that occurred. The way you process it, the way you integrate it, the way you take it and move forward.
The way the Pasuk says it is that Vatama Sara Bekiris Arabo, she died. Vyavi Avram Lispait Lis Sara Viliv Kaiso. And Avram Avinu came to eulogize Sarah and to cry over her. So the order of the words is somewhat strange. It would have been more appropriate to say Lispoid to eulogize and cry for her. Why does it say to eulogize Sarah and then to cry for her? So the Kliyakar says that the reason why the order is such is because when a person who's of great stature passes on to 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 the to, to the other world the sense of the immediate sense is not one of sadness because you have no fear for what will befall the person when they go to the shurish of their neshama because they were tzaddikim so therefore initially you just go and you give honor to the dead that's what the, the goal of a hesped is conclusion of the Gemara is to honor the dead the, the, the departed gets honor from the words of praise said about him and the goal of a husband is to do such but in other words the initial stage is you just realize who passed on and you emphasize that fact through the process of a husband what happens is though the more you go on and further in life you suddenly start to feel the vacuum and you suddenly start to feel the loss and you suddenly have a concept of what is no longer there but that's only through experience then you start to feel something is very something big is missing therefore the crying comes later now personally I, I, it was quite strange I had this experience that I went to now I, you have to understand that I had no very little contact with Ribnosan 3 almost a, a course of decade maybe a handful of times and therefore Essentially, at the time of his Leviathan, wasn't, I wasn't deeply moved. I was sad. Two days ago, I saw a picture of him in the paper and I just burst into tears. And I, I completely shocked myself by that reaction. But the reaction was, it triggered this deep sense of, 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 of cosmic loss that there was a person that was such a living embodiment of Torah that is no longer around and it impacted me deeply and personally but the tragedy it wasn't a tragedy that I felt as losing a person that I was close to it wasn't an emotional tragedy it wasn't a tragedy that I felt a close friend had been lost to me because my relationship with him was so limited I didn't, I didn't know him he didn't know me it was a sense that there's been a loss of something much bigger than that. It's even bigger than a relationship. It's something that it's almost as if you look up and you feel that oh, there's not, that's irreplaceable. That's not going to happen again. And that's a sense of loss. So the loss was a loss of Torah. I felt the Torah, I felt a loss in Torah, which, which again, it's, it's something, it's the first time I've ever experienced it. But it made me realize something. And this is where it starts for our endeavors by the it made me realize that there is a possibility to create a fusion between Torah and the person. The fact that I experienced a sense of Torah loss when a person died means that that person somehow succeeded in molding 
and welding the Torah to himself until they became a single entity. And therefore, it wasn't that there was a man that died. It, there's a big chunk missing in a Sefer Torah. And if that's true, that gives us such a strong vision in terms of our life as Baalei Tshuva that the goal is not to become observant. The goal is integration and fusion of, for many people, a completely foreign sense of values, a completely different style of life, a, in a sense, a very distant way of relating to the world around us, and making that my essence. It's a completely different vision of what the purpose of a Balchivati is. You know, there's, there's diagrams and diagrams, and, and in a sense, because of the cure of world, the, the essence of what we're trying to achieve can become distorted. Because there's a fundraising issue, so therefore things start to become measured in terms of quantifiable uh, markups. I'm a Kvir, I want to support Kirov. So I want to know what type of returns I'm getting on my investment. So what it creates is a culture that you have to have measurable time, measurable ways of creating from, from barometers. So therefore, if I'm investing in a Kirov organization, I want to know, okay, how many guys are Shemesh Shabbos at the end of the year? And when I get that markup, so I can put a few ticks there, and then I've succeeded. Now, the, the implication in a universal Kirov, the message that's being conveyed is that somehow Shema Shabbos Kashrus is called making it. Super making it is if a guy goes to Israel and starts to learn Yeshiva for a while. But that internally can destroy the message of what Yiddishkeit is. Yiddishkeit isn't about that. That's not even the beginning. That's basic. The purpose of Torah is the integration of the Torah until that becomes the very essence of my soul. Until you can't distinguish between the man and the Torah. One of the Maspidim, uh, the sons of Rebdorf Schwarzman, he said, and the first time I've understood this, this, this mission in this way, he said, Those are the three pillars of the world. Torah, the study of Torah, Korbanus in our day prayer, and Chesed. It's not that there are three alternatives, or not three alternatives, three different components to the support that create a world to be a world. Rather explained that if you look at Reb Doiv, it was fascinating. When the people eulogized him, they spent very little time discussing his genius in learning, which he was famous for. There were only two mentions of the capacity he had to learn and his, his incredible mind that he spent an entire 36-hour period learning <coughs> at a time, or that you learn three sedorim of six hours each solid. Those are the only two mentions of, mentionings of his learning. The rest of the Masbidim were just saying, Abba, Abba, I lost a father, I lost a father. He cared for me, he loved me. In other words, the description that people gave him was of this, this incredible, warm, given human being. And it was so funny, I was speaking to a friend of my, mine at the time, he was at the Leviah, and at the time, 20 years ago, he had been a Bochin or Samach, and he, he was lost and confused, and no one understood where he was coming from. And he said the only person that grasped his, where, where he was from was Rebdoi Schwarzman. This was a man that grew up in Europe, 
They only ever knew Torah. And he understood the subtlety of the mechanism of this person's neshama who grew up in a secular home and you'd think he'd have no ability to connect to that. So the Maspid said that it wasn't that there's Torah avoiding in Gemini's He says that when a person learns for 18 hours a day and he has the Torah as his essence, so then as a result he has avoided. As a result, he has chesed. That when Torah is integrated into self, it changes the relationship between you and Hashem and it changes the relationship between you and other people because you become a walking, breathing, safe Torah. Now, it's obvious if you're a representative of the power of the Creator in this world that your relationships are going to be deep and flawless and that the way you connect to the being that runs the world is going to be in its correct proportion because you've got the basis from which everything stems but that's about integration it's not about learning and it's not about following it's about being you have to be it there has to be this absolute integration and incorporation of the Torah into myself so that my reflex my reaction my knee jerk becomes Torah not that it becomes something that I react and then I say that's the wrong thing to do according to Torah this is the right thing to do because that means my essence still remains outside of Torah we have to we have to integrate it now of course <laughs> of course who can honestly say that they've done that certainly not at our stage so initially we first of all have to at least describe a goal because without the goals, so then we walk around thinking things are level of... The goal is not to be a person that can learn Gomorrah. The goal is not to be a person that can pass off in a shivish world and say the right inaudible expressions at the appropriate time to be accepted as the ultimate yeshivish. That's not going to. That's not. That's not where you're trying to be. The goal is not that you can you can walk around with a a coat which hangs below the knees. So no, that's not. Not even that. Not even the goal is not that you can have pairs which are so bushy that they make the bushes around jealous. There's there's not there's no. That's not the goal. The goal is quite simple. The goal is the incorporation of the Torah into myself. So that's the goal. So let's know the goal. Let's know that the goal is to be a walking, talking, breathing, living, safer Torah. So that your words echo Torah. That everything you think and say and do and feel is Torah. So okay, they say, yeah, you're right. It's nice and it's ideal and it sounds gushmak. Again, I'm not saying anyone's going to be achieving that in the next six months. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to, to disappoint the, the first years. Sorry, no, that's, a, that's the eight-month program. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's always the, the rude real, realization that when people are recruiting to Yeshiva and they say, this is a two-year program to get self-sufficiency in Jewish learning. So you think, okay, two years should do it. Like maximum, you know, it's so funny that the secular mindset, two years commitment to eternal life is looked at this massive chunk of time. 22 years of secular education is like reasonable. Two years of Yeshiva is like a little bit, you know, fanatic. And then you, you get into the system, you get into the system and then suddenly you realize that essentially in two years you can't really do anything and like you only like oh sorry did I say that so so it's important to know that um, why is it important to know that if you have to leave me Monashach after two years that's a separate schmooze there's lots of schmoozing coming up we left two years problem is if Rabbi Wiener comes back when will the schmoozing happen no mm-hmm. yeah, there won't be that schmooze um, <laughs> but that's the goal the goal is this integration and you see that you see it can be done we have to know how to do it and where to do it
Um, now, let's go a little bit further and let's start to discuss an approach to how that, how that happens and let's start off with a defense of ourselves. Let's start with the Rambam. The Rambam at the end of the section dealing with purity and impurity Tara and he's just finished off the halachas of mikvois, of immersion. He sums up the halachas and this section of the Mishnah Torah with an interesting explanation of Tuma and Tahara. It's clear and revealed that purity and impurity are a scriptural decree, which means they don't lend themselves to human understanding. In a thousand years, with the advancements of technology, electron microscopes and ultrasounds, you'll never be able to detect tumor. <laughs> the most advanced machines, as subtle as they are, will never, ever, ever be able to detect if something is tome or tar, if it's pure and impure because it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't fall into the parameters of human intellect of the observable and empirical world. They can't be left over to the decision of man. Essentially, Tumantar is a choik. It's, a, it's, it's a, a statute which we cannot grasp its depth. And so too, just like the Tumantar are things which are beyond our comprehension. Immersion in a mikveh to purify, pur- purify yourself from becoming, from being Tomei. It's also a Tuma is not mud or excrement that when you dip yourself into water you'll be able to wash it off. Rather, it's a scriptural decree. Now he adds on two critical words. It depends upon intention that the actual process of the mikveh working and a person transcending, trans, transitioning from Tumah to Atara, it depends on intention. That if a person went to the mikveh and he didn't have intention, he wasn't guarding himself, his tevila is not valid and then goes on the Rambam and said even though I've just told you that this entire parameter and system of laws are laws which are beyond human comprehension and really we can't discuss or speak about them in terms of ways that we can understand and process based on the limitations of our minds nevertheless nevertheless Rem is Yesh Bedava there's something that we can learn just like a person when he has intention to purify himself he becomes pure even though there's nothing new that's introduced into his body even though nothing appears to have changed the entirety of his being changes a person that has intention to purify himself that he has intention to purify himself 
from thoughts of Tumah which means bad midas and evil designs since he has a determination to change to go away from that style of being and he submerges himself in the waters of wisdom he becomes pure the Rambam says that there's a process of tahara that can occur in the way we enter into something called mehadas, the waters of purity. That means very strange. It means that the mehadas is a is an allegorical reference to Torah. That Torah has a capacity to do to our beings what the mikvah has can do to our bodies. Again, what is the topic we're dealing with? We're talking about integration. We're talking about how do I come as a Baal that my entire life, in my formative years, were devoted and sometimes passionately devoted to things as lofty as following 22 grown men. Truth is, you only follow 11 of them. Running around a very, very big piece of grass. Uh, chasing a very small piece of inflated leather with the intention of using the very lowest part of their body to propel it to um, a gateway constructed from metal and the height of the excitement is when that little piece of leather smacks against the back string called the net. There are people that devoted deep parts of their self and consciousness to following this type of experience. There are others that decided to devote it to a group of seemingly strong men but nevertheless are obviously nerds because they won't go out onto a field to bump into other men without wearing loads and loads of protective clothing. <laughs> and then they spend at least 90% of the time in the field huddling in circles doing nothing. <laughs> there are other people that decided to devote their devotion and energy to watching very, 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 very tall men bouncing very highly inflated balls and then the crucial moment comes when these very tall men pop this ball into a basket that they can reach. They're like three feet taller than it. And for somehow, some of that, that, that doesn't... So people, but there are other people whose who's, who's level of, of of devotion is, is not as lofty as that and uh, they're interested in other things you know the lowly things like art and literature but whatever it is whatever it is the, 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 the parts of self that were taken up by our formative years so those are not always don't always enhance a refined spiritual character sometimes the things we did sometimes they're extremely productive and sometimes they're invaluable and that's the difficulty is that there's parts of the self, there's parts of the formative years which are so vital to our continuation and the other parts which are so destructive. So a person needs to enter into what's called mehadas. Now mehadas are the waters of das. Das is a midah. And the way I heard Revolvi describing das, and this is why it's so important to know how to process your past and how you submerge yourself in the mikvah. The fascinating thing about water, mehadas, is water has no form. It accommodates the form of 
the vessel it fills, or else it makes way for the form of the vessel that of the thing that enters into it. It's called displacement, eureka. And therefore, as a result of this, water accommodates the mayhadas that you submerge yourself into makes way for your body to enter into it. So, but what is the mayhadas? You have to jump into the water. And the water allows the entirety of yourself to be there. You take yourself as you are, the reality of a being, not your imaginary from persona, but who you are as a person, with all your likes and dislikes, with all your habits and rituals, with your love of a wide variety of different sorts of all kinds of music, with sophisticated names, like the Kharif, Kharif chilies and uh, no Kharif chilies gefilte fish to to um grace at Taurus that's straight fish that's um so, so you take the entirety of your being, you take the entirety of who you are, and you plunge into this water. And what is the water? The water is mei hadas, the water of das. What's das? Bobby says das is simple. Das has two koiches. On the one hand, das is the expression of connection. And man knew his wife chava. Yediah, das is when two people connect on the deepest level. So you see that what das is, is connection. On the other hand, Havdallah on Moitse Shabbos is said, hadas. The prayer of the separation of Shabbos to the Choyl, the distinction between holy and mundane, is put in the bracha of das in the Shemona Esrei. So you see that das is Havdallah. It's the opposite of combination. It's the opposite of tzirup and chibur of connection. It's disconnection. Havdali is the difference, the distinction between. So das on the one hand is the chibur. On the other hand, it's the havdala. Das is the capacity to know what needs to be incorporated. And in doing so, it's almost mimela, that when you connect to one thing, you're pushing something else away. You can't connect it to contrary things. So Das tells me where connection should be and where distancing, Havdala should be. When I submerge myself in the Meha Das, I take myself, myself, with all the different contrary components and I put it in the Meha Das the Tahara comes about through taking all the different parts of self and seeing which ones are incorporated and mechubah and connected to and which parts of the self should be distanced and removed and there should be Havdala made by them. When a person has a capacity to do that, that's what comes out of it is Tahara. Now Tahara translated as purity is a mistranslation because the source of the word etymologically comes from tihara which means noon tahor means sighted bright open visible clear 
Tumah is badly translated as impurity because Tumah means Timtum sealing over, covering over confusion, darkness on the one hand you have clarity on the other hand you have vagueness confusion Tahira means understanding visibility Tumah means confusion and vagueness Tahira comes through Das you understand what is and what is not the way you understand what is and what is not submerge yourself submerge yourself in the Mehadas how do you know what should be incorporated and what should be distanced how do you know what is a Maya and what is a Chisoran you have to go into the Mehadas the Mehadas is a, another way of describing Torah the Torah puts across in very clear terms the attributes which are praiseworthy and those which are not it illustrates what you should cleave to and where you should distance yourself from in doing so you have to have an intention it's called a tevila b'mei hadat you have to immerse yourself in that the immersion means that you're able to go in with an open mind you're able to say I'm willing to accept I'm going to plunge into those waters and I'm willing to accept what the Torah says as a vision of what the world should be and what I should be as a person that acceptance cannot be and if it is it will be destructive a quietening and squashing of a voice that you hear inside of yourself that opposes the lessons that you're learning. The acceptance of Torah is you have to put yourself with all your opposition to Torah into the Mehadas and dash it out. You have to struggle it through and you have to understand ultimately because of the Emunah and because of the tradition that we have stretching all the way back to Sinai that ultimately Rebun Shalom's words have wisdom and ultimately they will guide us and ultimately they are right and when we argue with them it's through a lack of understanding and short-sightedness but that doesn't mean we don't argue <laughs> that means we argue and there's two ways of doing it the two ways of asking a question are either from the position of gaiva arrogance or from the position of humility when you ask a question from the position of arrogance the goal of the question is to dismiss the given body of knowledge when you argue a question, when you answer, ask a question from humility, the goal is to open up your understanding to what it has to say. Never should a person even put aside one of his questions. Every question needs to be asked, but from a position of humility. And in doing so, a person can submerge himself in the mayadas. The chidush is that with the right intent and with the right focus, a person can utilize our experience now. Our experience now can be transformational. It doesn't have to be. A person can walk into Shiva and walk out and he can become a lot more observant, a lot more serious about his Judaism, but the fusion remains completely vacant from his world and it's the same person who has an overlay of Torah and mitzvahs. Or else we can begin to do the work of the internal transformation whereby we and Torah become the same thing. That requires 
self-searching that requires brutal honesty that when I feel what the Torah is saying is completely contrary to who I am I voice that opinion in order to work through it and open up the gateways of understanding when I do that so then the words of Torah penetrate myself if I think I'm not being formed by doing that the opposite is really true if you intend to be serious about Torah you have to make sure that every one of your concerns is voiced and every one of your issues is dealt with and that's how you integrate the two then the self becomes a Torah self and when the self becomes a tragical self, so then the way you relate to people changes. And the way you relate to Hashem changes. Because everything changes. Because your internal world has changed. And the internal world can't change and not have an impact on those around you. So the, the lesson I learned from, from, from the tragic events that have occurred is the absolute imperative to become a part of Torah and Torah, not a part of Torah that I am a Torah that I'm a living Sefer Torah like the Gemara Maka says how foolish are these Babylonians that when a Sefer Torah walks into the room they stand up and when a Talmud Chochem walks into the room they remain seated the Gemara says the Talmud Chochem is a bigger Sefer Torah is a better Sefer Torah than the Sefer Torah itself because the Sefer Torah is limited it says I buy Macken you should get 40 lashes and the Talmud Chochem said that means 39 so they are Mechadesh Torah. So not only do you become a walking Sefer Torah, you become a breathing, living, innovating Sefer Torah. That you introduce new Chidushim into life through your relationship, through your being. You become a Sefer Torah which is creating on a second by second basis. That's the goal. Nothing less than that is the goal. And it may take a little bit longer than two years, but you've got a lifetime of striving. The point is to go in the right direction. How far we get on that path is only up to our devotion and the limitations of our situation. But to know where we're going, that's where we're going. We have to say to ourselves on a daily basis, when will my actions get to those of Avraham and that's the goal. The goal is not to be an observant Jew. That's not the starting point. That's not the goal. That's something else. That's not Judaism. That's not Torah. The goal is to be a safer Torah. A walking, talking, breathing, safer Torah. A representative of Akash in this world. So that, as the Gemara says, you can stop learning to go to Leviah. Gemara says, stop learning to go to Leviah. It says, for someone who's a Torah person, how many people should come? So the Gemara says, well, if he learned Torah, it should be 600,000. Because it says, the taking of the Torah the taking of the Torah is the giving of the Torah, just like the giving of the Torah is 600,000. So too, when the Torah was taken, there should be 600,000. I understand. A person died. Where was their taking of the Torah? The answer is because if a person becomes a Torah, so when he dies, so there's the opposite of a Matan Torah. There's the Lekikasa Torah. And the Gemara says, and if he learned and taught, there's absolutely no limit to the amount of person that should come to his Leviah. So that's a reflection of the notion is that the goal is to become a Torah. The goal is not to do Torah. The goal is not to think Torah. The goal is to be Torah. And that's what we have to do.